0: Welcome to the X-Overland podcast. At X-Overland, we're committed to living a life of adventure and to sharing what we learn in the hopes of inspiring and empowering others to boldly explore the world. Join the conversation as we sit down to share stories of overland travel and vehicle-based adventure with a broad range of compelling guests from around the globe.
1: Welcome back everybody to the XOberland podcast and Leah and I are here today introducing a whole series of podcasts related to our new Apex series all about the team going to Africa. That is our latest expedition, to Africa. And so today we have Clay and Rochelle Croft, Overland co-founders on the podcast, Leah, to uh, tell us what that looked like.
2: A major difference in this series... From compared to other episodes that you'll see on YouTube or on the X-Overland Network, is that the Crofts brought their entire family. So they have three boys, um, ranging from twelve to eighteen. I believe uh, Cyrus, who's their oldest, turned eighteen on this trip, and um, and I think something that I always kind of forget, like these are crazy expeditions to these remote locations, um, but unlike overlanders who travel. Full time. Clay and Rochelle do this for the sake of creating a series, a filmmaking series. So you talk about bringing their family on and the dynamics and how that changes things.
1: It's wild. That's something we look at in this conversation Mm -hmm. is, you know, what, how do you do it? How do you run a business, um, take your whole family on this massive, you know, multiple month adventure and, You know, you're out there in the wild, you're overlanding all the things. And then uh, you got a business back home. I mean, they have so many things going on. Mm -hmm. And in this conversation, they're at least going to attempt to tell us how they make this all happen.
2: Totally. I think what I gathered and what I hope our listeners can gather from this is, um, you know, whatever the expedition may be, for them, it was this trip to Africa. For you, it could be your regular job, um, a shorter trip. um, But there are so many, points that Clay and Rochelle make that are applicable to life as a whole. And I think that's what makes this episode really unique and special.
1: Africa, big experience, huge conversation, everything from elephants wandering around right outside the rooftop tent to how do you manage three boys growing up on this huge expedition? I think people are going to love the conversation. Let's just get into it.
2: Let's jump in.
1: Clay and Rochelle. Welcome back on the podcast. It has been a while.
2: Thank you. It has been a while. You
3: know, somebody it.
1: told me something like you guys went to Africa or something like that. We've we've gone to Africa,
0: been around, done some things, and now, now we're back. Yep.
1: You're, you're back. Well, it's good to see you both, and it's great to have you back on the podcast. Leah's here co-hosting today with me, and uh, this is a first for all of us to be together on the podcast. Yes. Awesome. Uh, hope you guys like what you see, what's happening here. We've made some improvements in the years we've been doing this. So yeah. awesome. Stoked to share that with you guys. And um, really stoked to hear about Africa. So you know, Lee and I did some brainstorming. We got some big questions for you all, and we just are excited to hear you run with them. Okay. The first. Okay. Here we go. Ready. Both of you at this point in your lives and careers. You've traveled the world. You're global travelers, adventures, You've done many expeditions, lots of different places, even thinking of Greenland in this case. Um, right, Central America, South America, Alaska, North America, Baja,
4: mm-hmm.
1: um, all of Scandinavia, Iceland. So Africa. How... <laughs> Does it stack up? How is it different? The roads, the people, the landscapes, the camping, the animals, all of it. That's, that's where we really want to begin.
3: Africa. So different from anywhere we have ever traveled. At least for me, this is my take on it. It was one of the hardest trips we've ever been on. uh, Due to roads, uh, you can't just camp anywhere you want due to animals and how they have their systems and campgrounds set up. Um, so it takes more planning, takes a little more just problem solving skills than we've had to use in a while, especially coming off of Nordic. And it was my favorite all at the same time.
1: (laughs) When you said (laughs) the problem solving part, I was like, well, then it sounds like a perfect fit for Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. Lots of
0: problem solving.
3: Lots of problem solving.
0: <clears throat> For me, there's like the hmm, I don't know. This is a very undeveloped thought, but of the places that I've been to, I'll, I'll preface this: I've been to like maybe 35 countries out of what 250 some countries in the world. I would like to
1: nail that That's, number down. Yeah, but I think something like ballpark, that. Two fifty. So
0: like when that. you hear like, "Oh man, I, there's so much more to see," so I feel like I'm just kind of. In the first quarter of the game, you know, I don't know if I'll go to all the countries of the world because I'm really I travel based off of where things I want to go see I'm not destined to hit every country just because but the, in the countries that I have been able to travel to in the places, there's kind of these two worlds that exist one is in the leisurely kind of touristy realm of of overland travel. And then one kind of lands more on the uh, expedition feeling side of travel. It's still in the overland sphere of travel, like you're still vehicle-based and all that. But, uh, for example, like Russia. Russia and Africa have a lot of similarities. And just feel and Mm -hmm. grit and harshness and logistics and all that. South America, uh, I would even say Central America is in the Africa kind of category
4: mm-hmm.
0: uh south america really fun to travel in amazing places to see still has its challenges but just doesn't have this like certain edge to it
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: you know russia did greenland did for sure but that was like super logistics but um africa is logistics heavy yeah which is what that's where the problem solving comes in and that's what i also really loved about africa
4: yeah
1: so, wow. Uh, Leah, what I hear these two saying um, is one type of overlanding is type one fun. Yes. <laughs> the other type sense. is uh-huh. type two I hear, fun. I and I kind of think that there may even be some type three fun happening from time to time in the places that Clay identified. Yes. yes. The more, how did you put it? Yeah. Challenging, technical, logistical yeah. challenging places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Places with the edge. With yeah. the
0: edge. And I will even preface the, the South Southern Africa expedition that we just did as um, still fairly tame to what I think the rest of Africa mm-hmm. would Could require yeah that so, checks out. like there's it's like a great place to go and dip your foot in the toe in the water of Africa spend South Africa N- Namibia Botswana is what we focused on and I think from there you can work your way into Tougher places, like as soon as you cross the border into Angola or Zimbabwe or Zambia or Mozambique, things get even a little bit harder. And as you get n- further north, things, some places actually flat out get almost impossible to travel in, like Sudan,
4: mm-hmm.
0: Somalia, things like that. Like you, you don't go there.
3: Yeah.
4: So yeah, Which it progressively
0: gets more difficult.
3: Mm. Yeah. I loved how, you know, you hear a lot of people say, Africa just gets in your blood. Mm. There's something about Africa. And we've been trying to define what that is. And I would completely agree with that statement. I've also heard some people say, you love it or you hate it. Mm. And this is actually my second time in Botswana in South Africa. And my first time, Mm. I didn't love it. But this time, I absolutely fell in love with it. And I cannot wait to go back.
1: Now, is that is that does that have something to do, Rochelle, with how you've grown as a person since that first trip?
3: I would think so. Yeah, and just the the trips were different. Um, there's something so special about being here this time with our own vehicles and my family and our team that I think added to just the I don't know the comfort level of it. You know, you have your trucks feel like your home, and there's your something familiar home. about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah instead of a rental or on somebody else's time we're on our own schedule and time so that allowed I think that just to be more enjoyable this time around plus the personal growth that's a lot of it yeah that's (laughs) why I was thinking those
1: two things you know maybe the like both the experience itself and and how that was different and then how you change because I you know sometimes we we're in a place at some stage in our life and we don't really appreciate it for this reason or that. And then we grow in new ways and we come back and we're like, Oh, this is the coolest Mm -hmm. place ever.
3: Absolutely. Mm
1: -hmm. Now you've been in Northern Africa too, Morocco.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
1: so that would be interesting maybe to compare a little bit Mm -hmm. between Southern Africa, where you guys were on this expedition.
3: Completely different. Just Morocco is a felt like an entirely different continent from Southern Africa and Botswana. Um, just the vibrance of it, it had definitely more of kind of a Middle East feel, I would say, because mm-hmm. the colors mm. up there are vibrant and the culture is a lot different, more mm-hmm. Muslim influence. Um, you've got the bright markets and the spices and the dunes and camels, you know, and then South right. Africa and Botswana, you're thinking safari and lions and giraffes and, God. you know, bush and two tracks. So it's like just felt worlds apart.
1: What a continent. Now you think about it, look how far continent. apart they are. Yeah, like that. Yeah,
0: you know, take take Africa and go lay it on top of the North America and South America. Just Mm -hmm. look at the diversity that would, you know, from the United States from the top all the way down to South America. You know, that's as big as Africa is if you laid it over. So it's it's just the diversity that's in that continent is insane. Yeah. And it's quite a bit bigger than South America. I think it's a third Mm. larger in size than South America. I was just going through footage upstairs and that was one of my, I was watching some interviews and I heard myself say that uh, I was surprised by the scale and size of Africa, you know, because mm-hmm. you look at stuff on the map and, and this happens a lot on trips. You you study maps for so long, you think you hop from here to there and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, but from here to there is three days. <coughs>
3: That's only you know, two inches apart
0: in Africa, according to the map, this is only about two <laughs> inches apart yeah uh, the, the, uh, there's uh there's this realization that happened there was like, oh man, Africa is big, big big,
4: mm-hmm.
0: so the the spaces between are just vast, yeah, and slow,
3: yes, that's part so of it. You don't go anywhere fast over there,
0: yep,
2: yeah that uh, uh the parallels that we heard from Richard and Ashley, who we talked to earlier this week, and um, Ashley was talking about the calculations that she was making between point A and point B and the time that it would take. And it was just mind-blowing just how many pivots you had to make from your, you know, what you planned on doing in a day to what actually got done in a day. It's wild.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's amazing, too. You know, when, when I first started working with you guys and just being part of this team, I, I now in my office have a global map. Mm-hmm. So when I'm um, looking at what you're doing, where you're at, what you're doing, I always reference that, and I and mm-hmm. I compare wherever you are to the United States and the world I know, mm-hmm. and the distances that you travel. Uh, I mean, it's just it's mind-boggling, and I, I'd recommend anybody who really wants to understand what yeah. overlanding right, like get maps out and reference yeah. something that you do know and compare it to where somebody's traveling, and we're not talking on interstates, I'm guessing, like no. you know, cruising at eighty or ninety.
3: No. (laughs) What are the roads
1: like in Africa? The roads are uh, a a very
0: mixed bag. There are some good roads there. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's places that you can cruise like around, you know, Joburg and South Africa. Even some of the highways in Botswana were really good. The dirt roads in Namibia, there's a lot of high speed stuff Mm -hmm. of dirt road. You know, a lot of times I'll actually prefer a higher speed dirt road versus a paved road, especially in developing countries or place. Really, it's just places where they can't maintain them well.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: You've probably all been, you know, paved roads that are just potholed and patched, patched up and stuff like, no, just put me on a dirt road where I can fly, you know? Mm -hmm. So sometimes there's Mm -hmm. a lot, there's, there's a lot of bad paved roads in Africa.
3: Yeah. And uh, I'm thinking of that corrugated road stretch of road in namibia that Mm. was probably the worst
0: Uh, we have found
3: longest stretch of road we've ever been on yeah one of them
0: yeah it was like yeah this road was corrugated by semis so Mm -hmm. the the, and i mean they only grade it three every three years
2: once every three years yeah minimum yeah my teeth are chattering just thinking about it. <laughs>
3: uh-huh. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, your fillings like rattled out of your teeth.
0: Yeah, it was to the point like that one. Like, I I mean, we have really, really good stuff. Yeah. We have high-end suspension. We were on 35-inch tires. We're on, you know, good trucks, brand-new trucks. And there was roads that were uh, shaking camera equipment
1: apart when it sat on your lap.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you too look surprisingly good for having experienced roads like that. <laughs> it's been a while. Since Knocked I've I've all the rust off. Like I see all Rochelle's teeth. Uh-huh. are still there. They're <laughs> yeah. still there.
3: You know, you go to your happy place. You find the the humor in the situation. You can't change it. You have to go on the stretch. I think it was 70 kilometers. Yeah. Of the same. It was probably, what, six inches of corrugation deep. And they were a pace oh. apart. By a so pace like, apart. So, like, take a... Take Number a long, long
0: step,
1: you know, Yeah, yeah. from, from oh, okay. the bottom a of a dip like is to a, a bottom of, mm-hmm. yeah. It's almost like whoops, like yeah, whoop-de-doo. Little micro whoops.
3: Bike. Sharp. Because it was semi-tires hard-packed. that made it. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, when you yeah. said the semi-tires, I started yeah. to picture like, unlike we have around here, like, yeah. like big, like almost, the corrugations, but like whoops, like mm-hmm. for a dirt bike or something kind of. So they're about an six analogy. inches
0: deep about three inches wide from the bottom of one corrugation to the top to the bottom was about three oh, feet wow. wide mm. Mm. so think about r- rolling over that like there's no way you yeah. can like ever it, get on get top of it no nope. and you can't go no slow rhythm. enough if you were to go slow enough you're not going anywhere
3: no we made it a game within the team because what a lot of the locals do then is they make offshoots of the road just mm. to, so mm. you can actually get travel it when the corrugations get really bad so I've having done a lot of Morocco rallies a lot of the same things would happen over there and you're allowed to go into offshoots and go around and so it kind of just turned into a game of Mario Kart and you're like oh let's try this one! Oh, oh let's try mm-hmm. this one try oh, that route how about try this, this one and it's good can I leave a, a banana back there for the guy behind me and like pew, pew. <laughs> we have a lot of fun mm-hmm. you just got to make it fun it is what it is
0: yeah and it's just
1: survival over yeah. there yeah it's great <laughs> So, I love that. Like, yeah. Rochelle's just like, ah, oh, it's fun and woo woo. And we're doing it. And Clay's like, it's like survival. <laughs> well, all I can think about me, when you're on the me
2: have a question about like, I'm comparing what you're saying to like the choices that we have on like the American West. Like we can travel a lot of places by choosing what kind of road do you want to go on in Africa? Did you find that you had choices or were you intentionally choosing the more adventurous route? And therefore these not Great so fun question.
4: Yeah,
0: I I mean I guess for the the answer is yes and no.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Main main highways and main roads you don't have a choice. You you're on what are there because it, it's it's very similar to like Alaska where there's like some main roads and that's where everybody travels and that's what they move because there's not a lot of extensive road systems mm-hmm. there. Uh, but then when you start to get off the beaten path, you can you can bypass those fast roads by going onto really rough, remote dirt roads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one or the other.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. it would so be hard That's to hard.
1: be making
0: time. Yeah. Yeah. For, so for example, if you wanted to take a highway from say like the Caprivi strip to, which is in Northern Namibia to the Western side of, to the coast of Namibia, you could take a highway there mm-hmm. and it would probably take you a day and a half to travel that top part. If you do the dirt road sections, it takes you six days.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm.
1: And wasn't that what Richard <laughs> Nash were, were, we're talking about Leah and our recording with them about time, just being a huge asset. Like the more yep. time you have the, the better mm-hmm. for Africa and a lot for of places, sure. but definitely Absolutely. like even like dealing with getting the vehicles out um, mm-hmm. there from shipping them in. What do they call those, those areas? Uh, just port, port. towns. Port. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
3: Durban was where we shipped the trucks into. Um,
0: it took a while to get mm-hmm. them. You know, you got to plan for that. And then during your travel days, you have, it's not a good idea to travel at night. It really isn't. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about it. You can. Like for um, real. Yeah, for real. It's, uh, uh, it's mostly an animal factor. Mm-hmm. There is, I think, in other parts of Namibia, or not Namibia, Africa, you will certainly not travel at night due to the human element. But uh, the, the Africa conditions at night are really, it's so dark.
3: It is It really is a, dark. It
0: is so dark at night. And then there's yeah. big things running around everywhere. And at, at night is when all the animals are really active.
2: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: I mean, you'll be ripping down roads at night because we did drive at night some. And there's people walking down the side of the road that you don't see. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll be wearing... Black clothes or dark clothes. I mean, it, it is so hard to see people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a dark place at night. And uh, so that, that you want to be careful. You want to make sure you don't hit anybody or hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, you could have a... Uh,
4: an elephant. An That's elephant just step out in front
0: of you, too. Or a, uh, the Hemsbach will jump the road, and they'll jump as high as the windshield. So it's like a moose jumping. Oof. And you'll just hit it with your windshield. And then that, a weight of a moose, you know. Coming through the windshield. Yeah, or a horse laying on your windshield. <laughs> <Yeah>. mm-hmm. <laughs> so you just, you, you get to camp,
4: uh-huh.
0: and you, you
1: start a fire, busy. and you hang out. Yeah. 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 You don't want to travel at night. Yeah. Underscore.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty spacy. Well, just a thought, you know, like, I mean, in Montana, we have a lot of critters running around yeah. and you know, seeing elk or deer, but it's like an elephant. Yeah, <laughs> you get, you're driving along in the dark. It's like, Oh, that's an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's yeah. Africa, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And it
3: never gets old. Uh, you just, you know, it felt like just all through a lot of Africa, it just felt like we were allowed to drive through a zoo and then you get to camp in the zoo and then you get to observe and drive around. That's, that's really what it felt like mm-hmm. was what I could compare it to. And that I was like, I can't so believe cool. we get to do this. This is amazing. <laughs> I, I was
0: surprised by the animal count too. Mm-hmm. It's just, you see way more stuff there than you do even in Montana. You see oh, more yeah. stuff there than you see in Alaska. Mm-hmm. The con- the mm-hmm. density of everything is pretty intense.
3: Yeah.
1: Of it's the awful. of the it's animals, animals mm-hmm. what were the most memorable animal sightings, mm-hmm. experiences you all had while you were there?
3: Ooh, well, we don't want to give too much away, but yeah. the elephants for me. I love them. Oh, they're just so magnificent. And mm-hmm. they're, they just demand respect.
1: Yeah. That's from any creature,
3: any, any creature. And if they walk out in front of you on a dirt road, you you're stopping and you're waiting Mm -hmm. and you, Mm -hmm. you don't dictate what's going on there. They run the show. They run the show. And at the same time, especially in Botswana, they're a little more used to people. They're a little more tame than in Namibia. I mean, I don't know. You could just sense they're kind of like, they're a little more at ease with people and trucks driving around. And, mm-hmm. um, so it was just such a amazing experience to get to just sit and watch these incredible beasts mm-hmm. just hanging out, drinking water and doing their thing. And they've got their own social dynamics at play within their own families and groups. And you, I could just watch them for days. Yeah, it was So cool. I never got old.
1: That's so awesome. I just, your passion for, yeah. for all of this, for Shell is like just, it, you're just exuded. I, yeah. It's so cool to have you two on the podcast talking about Africa. It's first yeah. time we've really, That's great thing about the podcast. I get to yeah. chat with you guys and hear these things. Yeah. You know, you're so busy most well, of the I time. I think you just sit down and chat about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I had no idea with the, with the elephant
0: side that uh, they were so, such a dynamic animal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they have, they have feelings and memory. Mm-hmm. they remember stuff they're a very old animal like they lived to 75 years mm-hmm. old wow so think of some of these elephants uh that are walking around like say in namibia where they are more aggressive it's because they remember the angolan war yeah
1: oh man you know
0: that that's when they wow. were like they were part of war at one time
4: mm-hmm.
0: and then you know Incredible. and then they're because uh, they're so old yeah, you know they. Oh yeah, I remember that. You know, yeah, yeah. As an elephant, and so that you come up on some of these, and and that's why they may be more aggressive than others. And then there's a density problem uh, that's happening in Botswana in mm-hmm. particular. There's, a, we'd have to fact check all this stuff, but from what I recall, Botswana can hold like a population of 150,000 elephants very uh, sustainably but there's 250,000 elephants in Botswana. And so that's compressing all of, because some of their habitat is being diminished in Angola and whatnot. uh, So that, and they may get hunted. It's mostly not hunted. It's really poached. Um, Mm. Make a distinction there hunting is usually under game management and Mm -hmm. they you know they're managing it for real poaching is just wild card right it's just happening Mm -hmm. they're they're Mm -hmm. doing it illegally and by usually pretty rough means yeah so um these elephants migrate they they push out of these areas that they're getting poached really hard and so they they get pushed into the safer zones and then they all sit there Mm -hmm. which is botswana Mm-hmm. so uh they're having a management problem, oh, okay, yeah. and the poaching's caused has to it. be mm.
2: extremely destructive to the wildlife the the scenery and their own resources like i we've seen like the same problem with like wild horses in Nevada and um elk populations that aren't maintained well, like they are they're hurting the the nature around them that we all need, and they need
3: yeah, yeah, they eat so much a day, they drink gallons and gallons of water a day. So you factor that with those numbers and you're just like,
1: huge resources. That's yeah. a
3: lot of resources. So yeah. on
1: animals, you know, we kind of animals yeah. and camping. Uh, Leah, are you kind of curious what it's like to actually camp in Africa? <laughs> like you yes. the guy, you're, you know, you're torn around and it's like being in a park full of animals and we're camping and you know, like the are there much are lions than the about, to to? correct?
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: So what is it like to sleep in a rooftop tent in this environment?
0: it's it's awesome <laughs> it is awesome I, I i'll say this it's awesome it's it's awesome so awesome until all of a sudden it's not uh,
3: yes. yes uh
0: i think that's probably the we were very fortunate mm-hmm. and had awesome awesome times and but there was a few moments where you could you could get the sense of like oh this is how this goes sideways quick
1: like mm-hmm. how mm. um, i'd love to know um,
0: we were at a destination called Elephant Sands, and it's in uh, Botswana, and uh, it was really our first night with elephants, and uh, all these w- elephants come into this watering hole. You know, water is a big source, so it draws a lot of animals in, mm-hmm. and this this one in particular it's like an elephant-focused watering hole. It's just like they claim it. And then, uh, so at night when you're camping there, there's no fences Mm -hmm. All these elephants are wild. They're coming in from 60 miles around, you know, or more. Uh, They're just wild roaming elephants. And so I was laying in bed. (laughs) I think I just got off Uh a call or something back in the U.S. and um, put my phone down. And I was like, oh, okay, I am finally get to go to bed. And I looked out my screen door, and there's an elephant right there, like (laughs) walking.
1: You mean Uh in your rooftop tent?
0: Yeah, I was in my rooftop tent. It felt like the size of my my AEV prospector with a camper on it right there, like just yep. walking by. It looked
1: like That's that. That's totally like what yeah. I looked at right then. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like yeah. about the size of that, probably. Yeah, it's the
0: size of that thing walking by, and you can't hear it. They no, are absolutely silent. silent when they walk.
3: Makes no sense.
0: So all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I could be asleep, and that thing could be like take his trunk and like come in here and look around and like tear oh. my screen out and you know, tickle my nose with his trunk if he wants, you know, <laughs> and they'll, they'll tip. If they want something in the truck, they'll come in there and just tip them over. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, there's moments when you're like, oh, I am just really, really small in this place. I have mm-hmm. no control over that. You know, another element of you don't have control. You just have to respect mm-hmm. and move inside the space that you don't
1: have control over. Yeah. You can only influence a little bit. Yeah. Which, you know, moves, moves me on in my mind, Leah, a little bit or maybe a lot to <laughs> the other big question we had. I, I feel like, you know, that theme of the obstacle is the way mm-hmm. that I've heard you talk about and some of the mm-hmm. challenges. It, it, it strikes me just being on the team that Africa was, was full of extreme challenges for the team, like maybe unprecedented levels of challenges. And mm-hmm. this bit you're getting to, Clay, about accepting you're not in control in mm-hmm. this space. Like, mm-hmm. I, like that's such a shift in mindset when you are in a tight schedule and you're trying to do a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess Leah and I were excited to look at that like with the, uh, for you guys, like what, what were the big challenges and how did the obstacle become the way, say, and how did yeah. you deal with this, this yeah. change?
0: This is really like what a lot of the series is about, is this figuring this out. And I wanna say that I was good at this before you know, allowing the obstacle to be the way, you know, cause I've had that concept in my mind on other expeditions and trips and hard things that you do. But, uh, there's, this one was just different. And so uh, I have referred to the, um, this African trip now as like the great teacher. Africa just taught me a lot because it exposed weaknesses in my concepts of, um, what it really means to be, have the obstacle is the way. So, when I heard you say there that there's a lot of extreme obstacles, I would say there are maybe some, but it what was extreme about it to me was the number of micro obstacles
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: every little thing had drag so and I don't know it's hard to it's hard to even get to that um like there's not as much food in the mm-hmm. there's not as much. Uh, selection of fuel a lot of places you go you need to go to two or three places versus one place but then when you have to step back into mm-hmm. um those things you realize like oh man i gotta get with it i gotta get okay with this again
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: or like or a lot of us yeah.
1: have never experienced it at all yeah you know cause yeah where we live and and you and you're coming off of a Scandinavia mm-hmm. trip. You know, last, the Nordic series. Oh, yeah. and, you know, the most developed countries in the world. Exactly. Um, and so there massive ooh, there's gonna be a huge adjustment huge. period there. Mm-hmm.
3: And we, we knew that going into mm-hmm. it. We were like and that's partly what we were so excited for too, was yeah. the challenge and the grittiness of it and getting dirty and like having to solve problems. And the other thing for our team that made it all all the problem-solving skills having to come into play and was, you know, for us, a lot of people know this, but we're filming it and we have a set schedule. We're flying mm-hmm. people in, they can be here for this many days. And if we don't film everything in those days, we don't, you don't complete get the series. You don't get so there's just this constant level that we're always, that's always in your mind, like, because we're there for the film. We get to mm-hmm. experience all these things along the way, but that's the priority, that's why we're there.
1: Yeah, that has Mm -hmm. to happen. That
3: has to Mm -hmm. happen.
1: The stress of that, just talking to you, it's enormous. I can just feel that.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, this was the first time we brought our entire family along. Our kids have never been to Africa, so this is a first time for them. This was the first time we had the most people on our team there. This was the first time we had not as much room as we usually have because we we needed a fuel trailer instead of a livability trailer. Mm -hmm. But we still had the same amount of camera gear but we're feeding more people so we actually needed more room for food. So it was all of these things Stack up. Just stack compounding,
0: up. Compounding, yeah. so it's, it's hard to say like yeah. it's, it was one thing or the other. It's yeah. like all these little micro things yeah.
1: that add up and all of a sudden they're like this is weighty. And even the yeah. you know, things that uh, you all yeah. brought on yourself, so to speak, uh, like, totally. Um, oh, totally, you know, oh, and, uh, we did it
3: to
2: ourselves for sure. <laughs> and that's where it's like, like
1: Leah, that was another, one of our the- huge questions, right? Is mm-hmm. the family dynamics. Yeah.
2: What was that like as you know, you're, you guys are compounding not only all the challenges that you just listed, but also you are parents with your children in a, in many foreign countries here and all the challenges that come along with that and watching And, and this isn't like a week long vacation. This is two months. Like, can you speak to how wild that was? And how, how, did, how do you guys feel doing that as a family? Yeah. Think,
0: we, thank goodness our kids are pretty robust. Yeah. Because we kind of, if, if your kids aren't a little robust already, I wouldn't recommend doing this.
3: <laughs> At least throwing them in for two yeah,
0: months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if they are, man, I saw my boys yeah. really grow.
3: Mm
4: -hmm.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. and it was tough. We had a lot of, lot of, uh, so back to the, uh, traveling countries and stuff. When I was young, I remembered like these initial times that I would travel outside the country and how overwhelmed I was just by all the stimulation because Mm -hmm. everything's different. Everything's Mm -hmm. new. And then over time, that's kind of, that's dulled. Like I adjust to a new country really fast. Mm -hmm. Like that, that kind of washes over me, but it doesn't with them. So it's, it's mm-hmm. still all brand new with them.
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: so I can run through stuff. Shelly and I can run through things that like, that's some of these cultural things or st- stimulations just don't slow us down too much anymore. Cause you just look right past it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not them. So you, I, I noticed that like the kids were quiet a lot and the kids were tired a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you're not doing anything. <laughs> you do dishes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you, Why you, so, are you tired? so tired? <laughs> And, and then you're like, oh, cause their mind is going a thousand miles an hour mm-hmm. yes, adjusting yes. to all of this stuff, which is really tiring, yeah. really adjust, you know, and then, and then they have their own expectations from us and the, and the film mm-hmm. crew and working and living with other people in tight spaces, you know, so it was a lot, it was a <laughs> lot, but we knew it would be a lot. Again, all of this, we knew it would be a lot. That's the adventure we signed up for and yeah. that's the adventure we got yeah you know
2: <laughs> we, uh we... now did did the boys have their own roles in jobs as a part of the team
3: they did yes yeah they you know you never really know with a person when you give them the role if they're going to thrive in it or and you kind of expect now we've done this enough where you kind of hold it loosely a little bit to mm-hmm. see if they're gonna find another role that suits them better mm-hmm. um so, Cyrus, already being through Nordic, he kind of right. that was his right. time to really find his footing and his role and what he was good at. So, we were able to slot him back into that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, Ryder and Eli, you know, they being the ages they're at and maturity level and physical levels, you know, it's
0: 15 and 13. Good
3: job. <laughs> um, so, it's slotting them appropriately, but wanting to stretch them. Um, but everyone on our team, could, and that's why we've also waited so long to bring the entire family on a trip because they have to be working. Like the mm. team is dependent on them as well, whether they're doing dishes or helping pack lunches or cooking, um, you setting know, up stuff, tearing down up things, stuff, grabbing GoPros out of the trucks and handing them to Richard. You know, so all of those things are so important, and the balls can't get dropped. Mm-hmm. So,
1: what do you think were the most profound? things that the boys learned or how they Mm. changed and you know when you look at that whole experience reflect on it uh, you just uh, outlined their ages Rochelle and Cyrus turned 18 on this trip right Mm -hmm. what a place and experience to turn 18 yeah Um, yeah but what what would you say that you look at it and go wow you know here's where the boys really took a leap Mm
0: -hmm. I remember Eli towards the end he says when I get home I'm gonna have all my stuff ready the night before I go to school. It seems simple. Right. But, but he got there. He's like, I need to be prepared ahead of time so that I'm ready for the next thing the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something he saw happen repeatedly in us discuss, you know, as an expedition, like what do we got to do to prepare for tomorrow? What do we got to do to be ready for 10 days from now? You know, like we're always constantly mm-hmm. pushing out the thought of what do we need to be ready for?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So I saw him at 13 go, when I get home, I'm going to have all my stuff ready for the night before I go to, you know. Mm -hmm. How many of us have always been like, come on, guys, you got to get your stuff ready before school. (laughs) Why don't you do this? He came to that conclusion. This is
2: very true in my life right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah.
0: You know, all parents kind of fight this, but the switch flipped. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I watched Ryder be very, very quiet in almost like blank stare for a long time. He's my real creative kid. And about halfway, we had to have good heart-to-hearts. I'm like, what's going on? And uh, I saw him flip a switch about halfway mm-hmm. through the series. I hope it comes out in f- film, like in the video, where you'll s- start to see like spark, more spark in their eyes. Mm-hmm. I think he o- he overcame the the environment a little bit Mm -hmm. and the hard and the obstacle became the way for him as well. Mm -hmm. And he just lit up and let it go, let a lot of stuff go and just started operating inside the environment, which Mm -hmm. is really cool to see people flip their switch and operate in the environment they're in.
3: Yeah. And I remember too, um, having a lot of conversations with the boys throughout the trip, especially in the beginning as as stuff's flying out your window, you know, you're watching people walk with water jugs on their head and all those things. And, and the boys kind of went in, I saw them all just kind of, it went by like they were watching it like a movie
4: Mm -hmm. and it
3: was kind of like, Hey, realize that this is real life. You're not just watching it out your window. What do you think? How far do you think they're going to get water today? What if you had to walk every day to get water? So, kind of trying to bring them back into those moments and then we encourage them a lot we felt very safe um in Botswana and Namibia especially you know so if we're at gas stations you know at first in Johannesburg and in South Africa you're like you stay right here and don't like you're with me all the time my yeah. eyes are not off you you tell me you have a buddy and then as you get more comfortable and they get a little more confident and we get into Botswana and those um those things kind of settle down a little bit mm-hmm. We then encourage them. We're like, here's your money. Go get a snack. You need to go do this. Go pay the gas attendant. Like trying to get them to interact more with the culture around them. And that really helped as well. Because they can easily sit back and just let mom and dad and everybody Mm -hmm. do all Mm -hmm. the hard things. I can't remember. And just let it go by.
1: Is this their first time in a less developed
0: country? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been to Mexico, you know, on dive Mm -hmm. trips and stuff.
1: But it's not like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Different different level.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, all of them, I would say when they got home were a lot more confident, had a little more, they just carry themselves a little taller, especially going into school. Mm -hmm. And even when they're nervous about something, I was like, remember what you just did? You just lived for 60 days in in other countries. You worked really hard, you know, and, and even them, they were like, man, that seems so easy now compared to what I did in Africa. well, that seems easy. I can handle oh, yeah, that. I can do it.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. 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 Compared to what, yeah. yeah. What yeah.
0: a gift, huh? Oh man. Can you come out of something like that?
1: Tremendous. And the things that, that were age. hard
0: are no longer hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a gift. I don't know if you can get that any other way than experience. I mean, you can, you know, we have enough media. You can be theoretical and abstract yeah. about it, but to actually firsthand, especially as kids. Yeah. yeah. I know, tell the boys, it. Yeah.
0: I tell the boys, you got to go get forged. <laughs> You got to get stuffed in the fire, and then it got to get put out onto the, the anvil and get pounded on,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
0: and get beat into shape and then get stuffed in the fire again. And every time you do that, you get harder and harder and harder. And the things that were hard before are not hard now because you're hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, that's travel does that for you. That, frankly, yeah. probably yeah. one of the top, maybe the top reason I like to travel mm-hmm. is because that does that to me. You know, I come back, and am like, I'm better. Exposes your weakness, pounds it out of you. You know, at least you hope it does.
1: Well, we were wondering too, you know, kind of along these lines of if we add all this together. Mm-hmm. So we add the fact that the boys are there and you're mm-hmm. traveling as a family. We add the fact that you're there as a couple still, mm-hmm. Right. And then we add to that, you're filming a television series. Clay's directing. Rochelle, you have all the roles you have with the team. You know, everyone's there working, mm-hmm. but it's also the trip of a lifetime. You're in Africa as a family. Um, you know, Leah and I were wondering, how do you strike that balance?
3: Hmm.
1: How do you do it?
0: Oh man, you just go for it.
3: <laughs> I don't think there is a balance. There, there,
0: there's there's no formula. <laughs> that actually really made sense to me. <laughs> Forget the whole
4: I, yeah, balance thing. It really thing. is. I mean,
0: there, it's impossible to balance it because your demands change from day to day. So yeah. you, you kind of go to the next, pr- you prioritize is what you do. Mm-hmm. You look yeah. at your day and you say, what's going on? What can I prioritize right now? And sometimes it's to the, to the hour and to the
4: mm-hmm. 15
0: uh-huh. minutes uh-huh. that you're working to prioritize.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's no different than when like, when life gets real intense at home, you
4: mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. you,
0: you got to do that, right? So you, mm-hmm. you just kind of prioritize what's next. Where am I at right now? Okay. This kid needs some help right now. Yeah. I need, <laughs> the, this is a stop and fix for this kid right here. We need to just chat through some stuff. Okay. Hop in the truck with me. We're going to roll for the next two hours in this truck. We're going to chat, mm-hmm. you know, okay. He's good. Uh the other one is actually still kinda of having a little trouble right now. All right, you're hopping on like, swap trucks, you know, Oh but Dad I like this truck. I know, I know, you gotta hop in that one. I need I need Ryder in here for now.
4: Yeah.
0: You know, and then and then you work on him and then, then you realize oh the production side needs help. But like, okay kid, you gotta get out. I need Richard in here, we gotta chat through this thing. You know, so you're just like just moving through the priorities all the time, helping everybody stay it. afloat. Just, just in, in it. it. Yeah. In what, it. In Which it. is why these trips go by in a blink.
4: Oh yeah, it's a yeah.
3: yeah, and yeah. then you get a phone call because yeah. then we were nine hours ahead of U.S. So then, if the team needed something back here, we're we're taking phone calls oh, at ten my o'clock. God, at night. I forgot yeah.
1: about the team back here. Yeah, we tried not to call you. Podcast, I did yeah. just kind of forget. Oh wait, oh. yeah, there's the whole thing here, you uh-huh. know, where we're all
0: back. Here. <laughs> there, there, there's amazing things that were happening. Like wow. when you're talking about the forging, there's and there's so much stuff that you couldn't even possibly put into the film of what's yeah. really going on. Like um, when I was at home, my mom was diagnosed with leukemia or when I was on the trip, mm-hmm. my mom was diagnosed with leukemia. So we're figuring that out. Like we didn't have any idea that this was happening. And then my mom went to the hospital one day and you're getting, mm-hmm. you're getting texts like, Hey, your mom's not doing very good. You are know, like, Oh, she has leukemia. Whoa. You know,
4: mm-hmm.
0: the, uh, the, the Giordano's, uh Kelowna, British Columbia, so they're based out of that area. Folks are over there. They were in forest fires. Their f- Her mom was having to evacuate because Kelowna was about to go under. fire oh, of those big know, fire fire fires in Canada this in last year. Yeah. yeah. Um. There's. Uh, we were working on buying the X Overland Ranch.
4: Yeah. yeah.
0: At the same time, so no we're doing. Deal. We're working with realtors and. All this stuff. And we sign for stuff
1: back
4: home. X
0: Overland back home. So yeah. that, that's just life, right? Like that's life. But, mm-hmm. and, and when you choose to travel, you have to accept that things will happen at home as well. Mm-hmm. And you will mm-hmm. deal with them when you get there. So it's not a complaint. It's a known. Life mm-hmm. will happen. Just a lot of life happened at the same time too.
4: (laughs) So talk about the forging
1: experience. (laughs) You know, sounds like you know uh, this was was all of that. Like you know, you were talking about the boys, right? And Mm -hmm. it sounds like for all of you, a family, couple, individuals, like there was a lot of battering of the steel and the fire. Oh man, every day in in Africa, absolutely. Yeah, it was amazing. Kind of see a cool image for the television series, just like this you know, <laughs> sword in the boom yeah. you know, the hammer as a metaphor, man, sparks <laughs> flying and yeah.
0: stuffed uh, back in the fire. And, uh, mm. yeah, so I mean, wow,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: you, you unpack it, and we were tired when we got
4: home
2: <laughs> just a little bit, <laughs> just a, good, just a little bit. It was a good, it was
3: a good tired, though, you know, it was a great tired. Our house was also under remodel. Oh, yeah. Time. yes. So we were oh my answering questions gosh. from our contractors. Oh, finalizing our <laughs> the remodel of the house. Here, here's the moral of the story. There's no great time to do anything in life.
2: Isn't that the fact? Really.
3: <laughs> there's no perfect yeah. time. Like, no, if you wait yeah. for a perfect, it will never come. Because something will happen. always come up. Mm-hmm.
0: And was wild. the further you get into business and life and stuff, it seems like it's harder and harder and harder. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, you just got to rip the Band-Aid off and go.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's, I remember when like I tape. early on in in working for you guys, someone said something to the effect of like, at some point, it doesn't matter how prepared you think you are, or all the research that you've done, or all the preparations that have been made, you have to just get in the truck and go. Like that's the last thing, and 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 there's never going to be a perfect moment to to do that, right? Like, and you guys lead that by example in that in that matter. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I'll uh, balance that out by saying, don't be flippant.
2: Yeah. <laughs> be you know, yes. th-
0: there is still be reason, smart. you know, be prepared. <laughs> st- put wisdom into that idea, you know, but also don't make it all about being perfect. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Don't wait yeah. around for all of the stars to align yeah. because they, a lot of times, they never will.
2: This is all bringing me to a more uh, tangible subject here of like, how did the trucks do? And, like, they're not perfect. You did the best that you could. How did they perform? I know our listeners are going to want to hear about those because they love your builds. Um, were there anything that you want to talk about in terms of things that worked really well, things that didn't work really well? Things well that sure. Left? Mm-hmm. Sure. I
0: had my hands on those trucks every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were working on them a lot. So this is what it boiled down to. Vibration.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Tons As and tons and tons of
0: vibration. Wow. Conversations going truck. full circle. <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, so every every almost every single bolt that we modified the truck with uh, needed to be taken out and put back in with Loctite. Wow. So we rebuilt roof racks. We built rebuilt shocks. We rebuilt um, Alu Cab camper systems, and it took about. Uh, about three to four weeks before, like everything was really kind of locked down again.
4: Mm-hmm. Like we weren't wow. tightening
0: things wow. as much. So uh, we learned a lot in our prep that okay, we can get away with some sloppiness, which we would thought was good here in the U.S. and South American stuff. Then you went to Africa, and it it exposed all of our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have new practices of loctiting everything now. Everything's got to go in with a, a bit of green or blue loctite blue Loctite for sure for Africa environments. Um, and, uh, and then don't underestimate uh, the power of efficiency in systems. You know, it was, it was hard not to have the Patriot camper there with us. And we had to make that sacrifice to carry fuel because otherwise the mission was impossible. Uh, we carried a hundred gallons, roughly a hundred gallons of fuel on a trailer to keep the fleet range up and, uh, everything that was in that Patriot camper now got had to get stuffed into the trucks
4: mm-hmm.
0: and plus it was less efficient. So as now it's jammed into tighter places and less efficient. So we really missed the efficiency of a Patriot camper, um, especially with that many people.
3: Yeah. The galley system. Yeah, you know, oh. the galley. And speaking
1: of people, that's something I, I just have a quick question on. Who else was on the expedition? We talked a lot, oh, obviously, yeah. about the, yeah. your family. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there were some notable people who joined you.
0: All fantastic people. So we had the Giordano's, which mm-hmm. you spoke to, uh, I think, last week. And uh, without them there, this mission was not possible. Uh, Ashley did an incredible job navigating and dealing with the pressures of changing yeah. plans every single day sometimes half day and quarterly (laughs) throughout the day Richard uh, really led the charge on post-production or production and post-production in the field Uh, Peter Van Straelen was our second camera did great it was his first time away from his family Mm -hmm. um, solo from his family from the epic family road trip so he was going through stuff Mm -hmm. and working through that you know remember the first time he went and worked for somebody all or, or moved out and Went and did something on your own. Oh, That's yeah. where Peter was at on yeah. this trip. And he just happened to be in Africa doing it. You, know?
1: you, can, you can see it, too, in some yeah. of the footage. Like yeah. he, he, he looks like a complete wild man. I'm right? oh, just like, wow, look at this I guy. I think like, he was he having the time of his stay. life. It was oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did, a great, did yeah. a great job. Did a great job. Dr. John was with us uh, mm-hmm. for the first half. Speaking <laughs> of Dr. John, we, we did a podcast with him on medical preparations nice. for overlanding in Africa. So awesome. listeners might find that really useful if they're thinking ahead and over there. And maybe like you could speak to mm-hmm. that real quickly, like med- yeah. medically, uh, where you guys, did you need vaccines? Did you need, mm-hmm. you know, what did you need to mm-hmm. do to prepare for that?
3: Yeah. So we, we did take, uh, is it Malarone? Mm-hmm. Uh, malaria meds. We were in the dry, like winter season. So there was a lot of places we didn't need it, mm. um, but we had it. So there was a stretch in there where we did take it for a little while and then we, like Honestly, three weeks. Yeah. Didn't have mm-hmm. to take it anymore. Um, we, man, what else did we do?
0: I would say that we, uh, attacked the medical side from, a uh, multi levels, right? So, uh, global rescue for our mm-hmm. top level. Like if we need help big time, get extracted, need medical mm-hmm. assistance stuff. Yep. That's our phone call. To global rescue. Mm-hmm. From there, we had sat phones and Starlink with us for comms. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we built out robust uh, med kits for the expedition side. And then everybody kind of had a general, what we would call an IFAC, an individual first aid kit um, for bumps and bruises
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: for everybody. And then we layered in Dr. John, actually having an expert in the field of medicine with us. And I decided, you know, one of my th- processes there was I. I just landed on that if we can get our hygiene and our medical done first and our Mm -hmm. best practices in play, uh, Mm -hmm. then it'll help us preserve us all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then as the trucks start to fail, parts of the trucks and, you know, because parts break the longer you use them. Now let's bring in the different type of doctor, a mechanic, and have him (laughs) on the back end of the trip. So that was my Mm. decision process there. It was really based around people and machines.
3: Yep, and I we had that. a lot of more. We knew that the first part of the trip would be more animal heavy too, um, and just not knowing and never, you know, doing that as a team. We thought it might not be a bad idea to have a doctor around. Just yeah, and
0: the, one of the most dangerous things you do is drive, especially yep. there. You're on a right-hand drive, mm-hmm. or sorry, a left-hand drive vehicle on the left-hand side of the road. That's like driving a right-hand vehicle here. It's mm-hmm. uh, or a right-hand vehicle here on the, on the, in our country it's just a weird thing so i was yeah. uh the the chances of a motor vehicle accident are much higher at the beginning
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so having a doctor especially an er doctor on mm-hmm. board with you and that is warm and fuzzies
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah i like that sure. you know? extra seat belt
1: yeah, yeah. Leah, I see we're coming up on the hour. Um, Any final thoughts, questions you have before we wrap up here? There's so much we could talk about, but these guys do have lives outside of this recording. so (laughs) Busy lives.
2: (laughs) I can't wait to come back, though. Good, good. I'm just so excited to see the whole series and watch it all come alive. Um, I feel like everything that you guys produce is... It's inspiring about like for me to want to go to these places and, and do these types of trips myself. But more than that, it's so applicable to your everyday life that I hope people mm-hmm. can draw that those notions as well.
1: So. Yeah. Thanks, awesome. Leah.
2: Thank you, Leah. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, I would
1: just say I'm super excited to see the outcome of all this in film and uh, just yeah. eagerly awaiting that.
0: Oh, thank you. Me too. (laughs) I have a final word. I I do want to make sure that people hear that our excitement about all the challenges and the things that we went through Mm -hmm. um, and the acceptance of it. I I hope we don't sound like we're complaining about the hard things there. Um, It was really, really good. It was good for us. That's awesome. So, you know, speaking to it for what it was, but very thankful for everything that happened and the struggles that we got to overcome. It was
1: fantastic. I would do it again in a second here, here. Yeah. I love it. Well, that wraps up the conversation and can't wait to get you guys back on again soon.
0: Yeah. Let's talk more. There's a lot more to dive into.
3: Yeah. We, I I feel like we scratched the
0: surface. So thanks for having us. Tip of the iceberg here.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah. Cool. Thank
2: you. Awesome. Thank you you both. Good to see you guys. Good to see see you. Bye.
1: Such a gosh, a mind blowing conversation uh Leah and that like i mean, my mind's blown just in everything the Crofts are able to I'm not even gonna say do, but are doing.
2: I totally agree. Um, you know, I think I, I'm just gonna give a little bit of context to like why why am I sitting in this chair having this conversation? You know, years ago I started watching the Crofts on YouTube. And, you know, thought, oh, those are, that's so cool. YouTube was hardly a thing. They were inspirational at the time. And it, you know, led to our family building our own truck and getting ready to do expeditions of our own. Um, And it's like a wild experience to be able to sit here and have conversations with Clay and Rochelle Croft. And I'm reminded time and again that being a part of this team is like being a part of the family. And even though, you know, we might not have been in the backseat in Africa, you, like, it's so inspiring to hear yeah. from them. And and I'm so excited to watch the series come out. It's more than just the dirt and the animals. It is, it is a life lesson for everybody who watches.
1: Yeah, I remember like uh Clay in some clip, you know, that I caught an eye of. He was talking like something like, Oh man, I hope my family doesn't implode. You know, and I and I was like, as a father and you know, husband, I was like, gosh you know he's got a point like that there are some things you could do with your family that you wonder if they are going to come out the other side and everyone's going to be stronger better more connected or more fragmented you know given given how difficult some things can be so i'm excited to see in the series you know what the whole experience looks like socially with the family clay and rochelle all the other team members involved um Mm -hmm. because you know what i'm gleaning is there, there, there were a lot of challenges uh, on this um, and that were unprecedented.
2: Correct. It's going to be a wild ride and I'm very excited to see it unfold.
1: Thanks again for joining us on another episode of the X Overland podcast, everyone. And just remember, if you've got a comment about the podcast, a question for Leah and I, a question for X Overland, a topic you'd like to hear, anything of any of the above, you can head to xoverland.com slash XO podcast. And right there, there's a text box, put it in there and we will get to it and read it and we will get back to you. And with that, it's a wrap for us. We'll see you next time on the X Overland podcast.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you
0: so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous.